Money FM 89.3, the best of the breakfast huddle. Why it matters on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's The Breakfast Huddle. I'm Elliot Danker. It's time now for Why It Matters. You know, if you think back to 2022, it showed, you know, a kind of a template for gauging what the crypto market might offer for investors going forward. It also proved terribly difficult to predict as well. Uh, The space saw a brutal shock to the global crypto market capitalization, where the two largest cryptocurrencies by market cap, which is uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum, fell by 64% and 67%. Uh, If 2022 was indeed messy, what can 2023 offer? Anything positive there? Its growth is likely to be slow in the first quarter, if not the first half of the year in the crypto and tokenization sphere. What can we expect there? Well, on the line, uh, speaking with me this morning about this is Oi E Chu, who is the CEO of uh, edX. Good morning. Good morning. Great to be with you this morning. Uh, Thanks a lot for taking the time. You guys are an investment company in Singapore. First of all, I suppose, let's try and understand the term tokenization. Help us out here. (laughs) ADEX is a regulated exchange for Mm. private securities. And um, what we do is actually we onboard, you know, investment products like private equity funds, venture capital funds, different types of, you know, uh, private credit, uh, really for the benefit of mass affluent uh, individuals who want to look at alternatives as an investment, right? And how we do it is actually we use the thinking and the technology behind a cryptocurrency, which is very much based uh, on what we call distributed ledger technology. And in that case, that is why it's called tokenization. Okay. You know, what we do is we see tokenization or we see that technology actually very powerful outside of cryptocurrency. Mm. And we use that to execute very traditional securities. Right. So if I own a lot of art, I could tokenize all of that. You could. There are, of course, a lot of uh, interesting now uh, opening of newer use cases Mm -hmm. around uh, investment asset classes and art or wine are certainly increasingly being looked at for the purposes of tokenization. Yeah, this is going to, I don't know, I I guess the word revolutionize the securities market for sure. Yes, I think where we see is that we see tokenization actually changing the way we think about managing and executing uh, traditional private market securities. Right. And it's an opportunity to open up interesting asset classes in a traditional way combined with technology uh, around bringing new ones, like, for example, wine, which mm. uh, we have done uh, in the last year as well. Yeah, for sure we're going to get to the wine part. I mean, yeah. why, why wouldn't we talk about wine this time of the morning? But first, I, I do want to talk about the uh, recent edX uh, BCG report. It's been predicted that tokenization will become a $16 trillion industry by 2030. Can you talk to us about some of the factors that's going to lead to that kind of massive growth? Sure. I think in the first place, the distinguishing factor between what is cryptocurrency and what is traditional asset and traditional financial asset tokenization is we don't deal in the cryptocurrency piece. What we are doing is we are looking at traditional securities and we're taking that and we're enhancing that using tokenization. So in the first place, we're not creating a completely new financial asset marketplace, right? Mm. What we're doing is we're actually taking very traditional investments, and then, you know, using technology to make that efficient, to make that available, and to make that more liquid for the mass affluent investor. So we think that tokenization presents a fantastic opportunity for many of 
whether it's the investor themselves or actually financial institutions to think about tokenization as a way to build on their operating and capability for investments. And it can cut across different asset classes. It doesn't necessarily Mm. have to be in the private markets. So this particular growth uh, is about enhancing uh, efficiency and expanding into existing and helping existing asset classes grow in that space. And that's why we think that this will become a huge opportunity in the next decade or so. Yeah, it certainly sounds so. Is that a reason why, like, wine tokenization is one of the most interesting investments simply because it, people have been investing a lot in wines and even whiskies in recent years. So now you just add on the technology layer. Yes, that's exactly right. I think in the last sort of year or so, I think what was important is investors were very focused on diversification. Yeah. And I think what they were looking for were new asset classes that would help to take some you know, heat away from the public market exposure, right? Mm. And we looked at, of course, we have already been offering private equity funds, venture capital funds, private credit, we have commercial paper. But then, you know, everyone started saying, well, you know, wines were traditionally being invested in the physical sense, right? You buy, you know, you buy, the investors attempt to buy bottles, mm-hmm. take them, and then hold them and, you know, maybe drink them. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if, if it's sort of appreciated, there are actually marketplaces for that physical bottle of wine. Yeah. But a partner of us came to us and said, we think there's an opportunity to tokenize a portfolio. And, and this is a, you know, let's say a, a very good curated portfolio from, you know, Burgundy in France. Mm-hmm. And these are sort of very high quality and sort of will preserve its value type of asset. So they put that in a package and then they, and then what we did was that we took that portfolio and then we listed it. We offered it to investors to invest in and to trade in actually. You sort of feel that with wine, it's an easy way and relatable way for people to have more knowledge on the matter. It's an easy way to gain that human interest in the matter as well. I guess it's not difficult to sell when it comes to asking your clients to diversify their portfolio. Well, I mean, look, Chad, because it's been done in the physical world, yeah. right? If you, you know, there are actually quite a lot of exchanges for the bottles themselves. Yeah. But the challenge for many other investors, so if you wanted to do that, you, you actually need to be quite passionate. You need to mm. read about it. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to source the wines from yeah. the right place. As yeah. you know, there are you know, such things as fake wines. How do you know what's the valuation? How do you know where it's been stored? These are things that are quite important. I mean, as I say, for most investment classes, there are three key things that are quite important. The provenance of the asset, Mm. which is where where it comes from. Mm -hmm. The governance of the asset, how that's going to be maintained. When is it going to be sold? Where does the value come back? And then valuation, which is how do you know what is the current valuation of that bottle of wine, right? And this requires, in today's world, even though it happens in the physical world, it it actually requires quite a lot of work and and a lot of homework from the investor point of view. So putting it together in a in a portfolio, putting it through a process of diligence and listing it and allowing it to trade actually simplifies and creates accessible investment class. The lack of volatility, would I be correct to assume that there's a lack of volatility unlike the stock market? I mean, what affects yeah. wine other than maybe a hurricane destroying your cellar? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
No, no. I mean, if you believe the um, experts, obviously different uh, vintages have yeah. different values. You know, they, they appreciate in different ways because of the way the wine appreciates over time, you know, when it's drinkable and it's not drinkable. And so it's quite interesting. But the idea of the factors that actually affect valuations to wines are actually very unrelated to the stock market, mm, right? Yeah, yeah. Whether patterns or harvest yields. So to some extent, that's great because then, you know, you can find something that will diversify or shield or have a different valuation factor to what is in the current stock market. Okay. I mean, it does feel like, you know, on on a broader uh, picture, blockchain really does help to sort of level the playing field for investors, giving us different kind of options, diversification, that sort of thing. What are some of your blockchain predictions for 2023, if I'm asking too much there? My blockchain prediction, or actually my desire, and I really want to see the level of understanding of what blockchain can do mm-hmm. and how it is actually differentiated away from the original use case, which was cryptocurrency. Okay. Because we see blockchain as a very powerful concept and technology to drive a lot of innovation within financial services without, you know, really bringing in or or muddying the water with cryptocurrencies and where that is. That's one. The second is, I think that there are many players, I mean, ourselves in particular, have been thinking about blockchain in its use case in a completely regulated manner. Because what's happening in the cryptocurrency space is is the lack of clarity of regulatory uh, frameworks and the lack of clarity of governance. And in in our case, we are regulated by MAS as a traditional securities um, uh, distribution uh, channel. And so the scrutiny around what we do and how we do it is actually as good as any traditional player, right? Mm -hmm. So for the technology that is being applied in a completely regulated manner, I think it's something that will help to support MAS and Singapore's thinking of growing uh, or developing a digital asset or digital securities Mm -hmm. hub. Mm -hmm. I've got a purely curious question uh, that just popped up as, as we were having this conversation. I understand if, if you don't quite have the expertise on this one, but have you had personal experience you know, where blockchain is concerned and the distribution of assets from a will? Is, is this something that could help? Is a point of interest we see perhaps arising in the future where you know someone dies and all of this is distributed via blockchain? It's, it's clear, it's transparent, that type of thing? Well, it's really quite possible. I think, you know, if you think about what is a blockchain, Mm. uh, blockchain is a very sophisticated ledger. And information on ownership, how that is split or how that can move, either be bought or sold or transferred, is all captured on chain. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, for example, land registries can be kept on blockchain. Securities ledgers are on blockchain. So, they, they actually, uh, it is quite possible and, you know, that would create some transparency around, I suppose, inheritances and, yeah. and will. Nobody's really thought about that, though. Those are interesting use cases. Yeah, it couldn't help it. I mean, I imagine if I was sitting on a lot of wine, who would I give it to? And that was my only focus, to be fair. <laughs> Just as a final question, <laughs> talent in this area must be quite a challenge as well. What are you guys looking at when it comes to looking out for talent this year? Yes, talent is always a challenge. Yeah. At the technical expertise level, we have two main uh, types of talents 
from a finance perspective. So okay. this includes you know, either bankers or financial professionals, uh, as well as legal risk and compliance professionals. As I mentioned, the way we think about governance and the way we, we manage our organization is very traditional in the way we think about compliance and, mm. and risk. So we need professionals who understand that that come from regulated entities. The second is technology. That's quite interesting because it is a very broad mix of different types of technology talent, but also because blockchain is a relatively young, it is a bit of a talent warfare to look for the right talent. But beyond the technical expertise, we think that what's important is the softer skills. Because working in a startup who tends to be quite fast-paced, you know, we sort of make mistakes quicker, Mm -hmm. we want to adjust quicker. And, you know, you kind of have to be very ready for that challenge, right? Mm. And the second is because it's quite a complex. We're creating quite a new ecosystem. People skills, soft skills are very important. Teamwork is extremely important because that's the only way that you can come together to solve a problem. Because we're solving problems that don't really exist. We don't have precedents or case studies to really work on. (laughs) That's true. Creative, (laughs) you know, we will work in teamwork. And that's something that if you, I think will thrive in a... In, in you know our organization quite well. Yeah. You wish there was a proper qualification for the word dynamic. It's it's so yeah. hard. It's yes. so hard. Yes. Gosh. Yes. I've been so speaking hard. with Oi Chu who is the CEO of uh, ADEX. Really appreciate your time this morning. Take care and have a great day ahead. Thank you. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.